Welcome back to Cunningham's Law Review, where our goal is to listen to the top artisan songs of the last 100 years, starting in 1920 and working our way forward. Four days a week, we review what we hear and share the history of popular music with you as we do. I'm Richie, and you're listening to Side A of a special Black Friday Cunningham's episode where we'll be taking on a question for the ages. Between Bing Crosby, Mariah Carey, and Elvis Presley, who had the best overall Christmas Carol career? It's that time of year, so we'll be hearing music from those three, plus bonus appearances from Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra, and the lesser well-known but damn well-talented K-Star. Today we're going to be doing something a little different from our regular listening series. It's Friday today, and on Fridays we take a step back from our chronological journey to recenter ourselves and take a break. And today we have a special episode for a special Friday, as it's the day after Thanksgiving in the United States, and that means the official start of the Christmas season. I love Christmas carols, but only from Black Friday to New Year's. After that, you put your tree away, damn it, and Jingle Bells is dead to me. Because it's that time limitation that keeps Christmas music special. By the time you're opening presents, you get one last burst of Nat King Cole with the fire crackling gently, and by New Year's, you're more than ready to move on. Now, if I only had one set of Christmas carols to stick with for the rest of my life, it would be a very difficult decision. And each of these three performers has their own unique sound and bring their unique talents to what is generally a set collection of songs. But why those songs? Well, a big part of it is that Bing Crosby essentially defined what Christmas music sounds like when he dropped his original Merry Christmas album in 1945. That would have been a few years before LPs were invented, and so it wasn't until 1955 that we would have the track listing that people are more familiar with, including my favorite Christmas song, Mele Kalikimaka, which is Hawaiian for Merry Christmas. That album has been reissued so many times that it has outlasted many of the technologies that it was sold on, from 78s to 45s to 33 and a thirds to tapes to CDs to MP3s. If there's one album that could be said to best define American Christmas music, this one has a shot at the title, as it's White Christmas charted every year from 1942 to 1962. By 1957, Elvis was a worldwide superstar, and this album, featuring the rock and track Santa Claus is Back in Town, as well as more standard songs and even some gospel, would be his third album. In Santa Claus is Back in Town, Elvis goes for the risque side of things and lets you know that Santa Claus is coming down your chimney tonight. It's a shake-up and it's a hell of a good song, among a lot of other Elvis classics like Blue Christmas. And speaking of songs outlasting technology, Mariah Carey's song, All I Want for Christmas is You, is one of the best-selling singles of all time, sure. But did you know it's also one of the best-selling ringtones ever? That's right, people used to buy ringtones, kids. That's insane considering that reviewers at the time absolutely hated the album, and the Chicago Tribune named it the seventh worst Christmas album ever. Reviewers, myself included sometimes, are generally a little less humble than we need to be, for it's almost always the truth that while we can critique, we can't sing better than Mariah Carey, and we should probably remember that. As for the ratings, today, well, we're not really worrying so much about ratings in the objective way we normally do. It's Christmas, and we're going to simplify rating these songs on only a 1-5 to scale of Christmas trees. 
After the music, we'll take a look at whose stack of Christmas trees is the highest and define our very own Cunningham's Law Christmas Carol Crown recipient. For those of you listening to the podcast through Spotify, there's a version of the episode that includes all the songs as part of the playlist, so you'll only have to press play once, and everything including the music will play on its own. The episodes with built-in music are limited to Spotify, so if you're listening to this episode through a different service or on YouTube and still want to listen along to the music, a playlist of what we're listening to today is on Spotify, but you won't need a paid account to access it, and it's called Cunningham's Law Review Cover to Cover 2. You can also find a link to this episode at Cunningham's Law Review's subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review. We want to know what you think about our reviews and the music we're hearing, so make sure to join us on the subreddit, leave us an anchor voicemail, or reach out on Twitter at Cunning Review. That's all for Side A of our special Black Friday episode. We'll see you for the reviews after the songs on Side B. And you'll be a little more Christmas spirited by then. Welcome back to Cunningham's Law Review's special Christmas episode of Cover to Cover 2. You're now listening to the B-side of this podcast, where we review each of the songs in today's music and talk more about the impact that these songs had. If you'd like to join the conversation, the Cunningham's Law subreddit will have a dedicated post for this episode at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review. We'd also love to hear from you through an anchor voicemail or on Twitter at Cunning Review. I'm Richie, your host, and I hope you enjoyed the music and are feeling a little bit less grinchy than your political conversations around the Thanksgiving table left you with yesterday. Like I said on Side A, I love Christmas music. It's just good, clean music that plays up all your expectations for life to function like a Hallmark movie, and they're usually some of the best songs for a group of people to be able to spontaneously sing together. That kind of togetherness is what the season's all about, and I really love how Christmas music brings people together like that. And then we all absolutely hate it by January. As I also said inside A, we're going to be reviewing things a little more simply for this special episode, and we'll be using a scale of one to five Christmas trees. And the first song we're going to be reviewing today is Mele Kalikimaka by Bing Crosby. I love this song. It is such a fun time capsule from when Hawaii was new and an exciting land of escape. Now keep in mind when this song came out, Hawaii wasn't even a state yet and wouldn't be for another 10 years. Joining Bing Crosby on the track, the Andrews sisters add a great contrast to his deep crooning voice, especially when they sing with each other in the latter half. It's catchy as hell, and it's a new take on Crosby's White Christmas, where everything is green and bright instead of cold and white. If you're curious, I did look it up, and Mele Kalikimaka is supposed to mean Merry Christmas in Hawaiian, but we have to take that with a grain of salt, because the idea that there was a Christian holiday in the original native Hawaiian language... It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, so it's probably some sort of romanization. If you know more about it, hit me up on Twitter and let me know where that etymology actually comes from. In any case, this song starts us off very strongly with five out of five Christmas trees. Bing Crosby keeps up this five out of five Christmas trees streak with the next two songs. First, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, and I'll be home for Christmas in the next one. Now, a lot of Christmas tunes use speed and repetition to be catchy, and a great example of that is Jingle Bells. But in It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, we take more of a stroll through the memories and nostalgia that make Christmas great. 
And it's a little bit of tongue in cheek because the best part of Christmas in the song is, you know, implied to be out and about and seeing all the things. But really, the best sight of the entire Christmas season is coming home to the wreath on your own front door. So getting away from all of that. In any case, five out of five Christmas trees, Bing Crosby strikes again. Now, on the other hand, if you want to make me cry, play I'll Be Home for Christmas. Somewhere around the world, there is someone who can't be with their family for Christmas time or who has never even had a Christmas they think only exists in movies. And when they hear this song, I mean, it just drums up every like emotion that you're going to feel at those times. Originally written in 1943, when a lot of Americans wouldn't be home for Christmas because they were spending it in France, Germany, and the Pacific, and not on a pleasure cruise, there's only one thing wrong with this song, and that's where Bing Crosby asked for there to be Christmas presents on the tree. It's a weird phrasing that keeps being reused in covers, and I wish they would just start saying under the tree. In any case, five out of five Christmas trees. Now, one of Bing Crosby's most well-known Christmas songs is White Christmas, which is the song we're going to talk about next. When Macaulay Culkin slapped his cheeks to this song in Home Alone, which is another movie we forget is a Christmas movie when we think of what Christmas movies we're going to watch next, he was listening to a version by The Drifters. But Bing Crosby's version is a classic, though it is less fun. In my opinion, The Drifters' version is the best one. It's more of a doo-wop and kind of upbeat tone. And this one receives uh, four out of five Christmas trees. Bing Crosby and One More Song has Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and it's a jazzy, upbeat version of the song that even brings in the Andrews sisters again. This, to me, is the reference version of this song and is five out of five Christmas trees. Now, Elvis starts out in a completely different tone because sometimes Santa Claus is not the magical elf general that visits you on Christmas at midnight. Sometimes he's your stepdad dressed up in red, a little liquored up, and eyeing the bullseye that he sees on your mom's ass. And Elvis doesn't pull many punches, especially when he tells her to hang up her stockings and warns her that he'll be coming down her chimney tonight. This track got Irving Berlin to have his staff assigned to calling every radio station in the country and demand that they not play it because it was obscene. Well, if this song's obscene, then you can call me Larry Flint because this song hustles its way to five of five Christmas trees. Now, in a play on White Christmas, which would chart every year from 42 to 62, and is even referenced in this song directly, Elvis sings about how he'll have a blue Christmas without the one that he's lost. Now, this song's good, but it's a bit hammy, even for a Christmas song, which is saying something, and so it receives a four out of five Christmas trees. Now, I do really like the Elvis after pissing off Irving Berlin and Bing Crosby with Santa Claus's Back in Town, was then also not done and said, White Christmas, no. Oh, I'm sorry, Elvis doesn't talk like that. He says, a White Christmas? Oh, no, baby. Uh, we're going to have a blue Christmas. We're going to get a bit bluesy with it. And I'm not apologizing for my Elvis impersonation. I know it's wonderful. Now, where Elvis loses me is when he tries to cover I'll Be Home for Christmas, and he simply doesn't do a good job improving Bing Crosby's version. He hams it up too much to be as good, and so that only receives a three of five Christmas trees. But in Silent Night, we see that Elvis gets it. He just gets Silent Night. It's a song of power and reverence, and Elvis's gospel roots absolutely shine through in this tender and beautiful version. We all know that Elvis has the Picasso strokes to do whatever he wants on this version, but he chooses not to do it. He chooses to be quieter to match the nature of the song. It is one of the best versions and five out of five Christmas trees. 
But Elvis also gets that sometimes you gotta do a song for the kids. The record can't be all the adult version of Christmas, preaching goodwill toward men and family ties, and, you know, stuffing your mom's stocking. Elvis knows that kids don't really care about this being Grandpa's potential last Christmas. They want the fat man to bring presents. So Elvis doesn't do too much overall with this song and gets a 3 out of 5, but Here Comes Santa Claus is a must on a lot of records. So if you're playing at home, Bing Crosby's current average is 4.8 and Elvis's is 4. Both very, very good scores, but Bing Crosby is so far the winner of our Christmas Carol crown. But a new competitor, Mariah Carey, is entering the arena, and she's bringing a 5 out of 5 Christmas Trees song. Now everyone knows Carey's other major song from her Christmas album, All I Want for Christmas Is You, because it was the basis for an excellent Vine, and Vine was the equivalent of how you define cultural norms at the time. Twitter, if you're listening, Vine needs to come back, and it needs to take TikTok's place. Its rightful throne is just waiting, and you're just letting this amazing thing sit there back to Mariah Carey. Carey's voice is absolutely wonderful in this song, without being too, um, ornamented. She shows off almost all of her massive range in this song, and it is wonderful. Like I said, five out of five Christmas trees. Welcome to the battle, Mariah Carey. Unfortunately, her next offering is Silent Night. And when you do a cover of Silent Night, you have to remember that the song is about being silent and reverent of the birth of Jesus Christ. The arrangement of Mariah Carey's version with full choir, piano, and organ, it doesn't work to that end, forgetting that the simplicity of the song is important to its identity. Mariah Carey halfway through the song goes full bore and tries to blow the roof off the church. You gotta think, Silent Night is supposed to be evocative of a child in a manger, a literal baby. If Mariah Carey came and sang this version of Silent Night to your baby, You would tell her to get out because she just woke up the baby you've been trying to get to go to sleep. This receives two out of five Christmas trees. Now, Miss You Most at Christmas Time, her next song, is really well sung, but it's a boringly arranged song overall. It's too slow, it doesn't focus on much of the magic of the season, and without a real hook to bring you back, I find myself multitasking on Twitter rather than paying much attention to this one. Two out of five Christmas trees. But in the next song, All I Want for Christmas is You, you see the full range and and amazing power in Mariah Carey's wheelhouse. This is a fun, poppy, catchy-to-the-max vehicle where she can stretch her sentimental and vocal talents to great success. The choir backing is so perfect, and the piano driving the song with the pulsing bass line are perfect as well without being too much. I love it. Five out of five Christmas trees. Play on loop until crazy, which will be like December 26th. Now, Mariah Carey also covers the classic Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and I really like her starting this song off with the Brahms lullaby. But it's also really interesting that she almost uses the exact same piano and bells entry from All I Want for Christmas is You following it. It's a good song overall and earns three out of five Christmas trees. Carey's Santa Claus is Coming to Town seems like a Broadway version, and if you listen to the other versions, you realize that Mariah Carey almost exclusively sings the chorus and leaves out most of the verses altogether. And when she's not singing, the choral backing is singing, and it's kind of like, is this even a Mariah Carey song? So, though she showcases her pop power with two five out of five Christmas trees songs, her uh, lack of support for the rest of them leaves her with an average of 3.6, and we can safely declare that Bing Crosby, with his 4.8 average, has earned the Christmas Carol crown. But we're not done yet. 
we have some amazing other songs that I wanted to highlight in particular, especially K-Star in Everybody's Waiting for the Man with the Bag. This features Star's crystal clear voice that bounces along with the bass line in an absolutely perfect swinging jazz lounge Christmas carol. K-Star gets almost no credit for most of her work, which is a crime to be prosecuted, and if she's going to get any fame today from our measly 5 out of 5 Christmas trees, then by God she's getting 5 out of 5 Christmas trees. Listen to more K-Star. Nat King Cole, on the other hand, is extraordinarily well-known, and with the Christmas song, he features beautiful reverb on his voice and winds you down at the end of the night with an absolutely beautiful imagery that paints an impressionist picture of the beauty that the holidays bring every year. It's not about presents, it's about hope, family, and reflection. Five out of five Christmas trees. Now, Ella Fitzgerald and her version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas need no introduction. But when you can't be there this year, but you still want to look forward to the years where you will be with those you cherish, it's important to remember to have yourself a merry little Christmas now. It's a good message, and the arrangement of the song is excellent for a four out of five Christmas trees. Moving on to Kylie Minogue's Santa Baby. Kylie here is whispering in your ear like an asthma video, and it's far more sexy than Elvis telling your mom he's going to be coming down the chimney tonight, though she does ask Santa to hurry down hers. Christmas is an odd time of the year where chimneys are all of a sudden sexualized in a way that simply doesn't work any other time of the year. Of course, Marilyn Monroe and Eartha Kitt are channeled dearly here, but it's an easy 5 out of 5 Christmas trees for me, but I'm a Kylie Minogue fan. And our last song of the evening, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Frank Sinatra. It features beautiful supporting musicians and impeccable recording quality. Sinatra's version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is a vacation from the troubles of real life in a way that supports the song, which is about Christmas as an escape and something to be longed for. Superb. Five out of five Christmas trees. Well, that is it for today, and I hope you and yours had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope you remember during the upcoming season, and especially on the Giving Tuesday coming up, to share whatever you can with the many deserving groups out there doing good work. We want to know what you think, not about charity, if you don't agree with that, you're wrong. Whether or not you agree with us, because Cunningham's Law states that the best way to learn something on the internet isn't to ask a question, but to post the wrong answer somewhere. So make sure you find the uh, subreddit's dedicated posts for this episode at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review, or reach out through an anchor voicemail, or on Twitter at Cunning Review. If you leave us an anchor voicemail that we end up using on the show, we'll review an album of your choice in a special episode, even if it's your own band's. If you like what we're doing here, leave us a review on your favorite podcasting service and follow the podcast and playlist. And if you don't like it, definitely don't mention that to anybody. We'll be back on Monday, December 8th to get back into our 1922 reviews of jazz musician Kid Ori, as well as many others who usher in the black side of jazz after many years held out of the recording industry. Until next time, I've been your host, Richie, and you've been listening to Cunningham's Law Review. Our theme is a difficult subject by The Insider, and nobody else works here. Nothing.